White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we have you for the next two hours of your afternoon. So glad you could spend a little time with us. we got a good show planned for you. And more than usual, we've got stuff to give to you. More than usual, stuff to give. Not only are we you know, jam-packed with a bunch of stats and fun facts about what the White Sox have been up to over the last week or so of baseball. And believe me, there are a lot of fun facts and good stats surrounding the White Sox over the last week or so. And and more so than usual, mostly because of, and if you're you're listening to the show, you're probably aware of it, they beat up the Tigers 17-7 to the other night. They put up 25 hits. And from that one game, you know, a lot of guys came out with, uh, with, with, with streaks, hot streaks coming out of that ball game and have since continued some. A 3-2 loss last night, though Carson Fulmer pitched well. Uh, and really, overall... There are a number of young and promising White Sox players in a mix with a couple of veterans who have been playing really well here down the stretch in September. We have two weeks left of baseball, and we're going to talk about what's coming up in those next two weeks and the week that was, of course, with you. Here's what we have planned for the show this afternoon. We are going to talk with Carson Fulmer, who uh, started last night's game, took a no decision, but did have a quality start, his second straight quality start. Hoping Carson will call in. He's got to finish some, you know, day after start activities. So I'm sure the guy runs like, you know, 75 miles or something like that after his start. He's got to get all the uh, all the lactic acid out and get himself all refreshed and ready to roll. Hoping to talk to him right about three o'clock or so, so you can set your watches to that. Carson Fulmer, I got to call into the show. We will also. Talk with Nick Schaefer of BP Southside. We haven't talked to Nick yet this season. We talked to his buddy Colin Whitchurch quite a bit. And, of course, uh, we stole Kat Garcia from BP Southside. She writes for our website now, WLSAM. Uh, so it's it's just a we're tapping into the community of White Sox fans out there throughout the, the intranets and on Twitter as well. Nick's going to join us at 335 here on the show. Talk a bit about him, about his latest. He wrote a little on on Jose Abreu and exactly how and why, well, not so much why, but how he fits into and and may kind of change the way the future of this franchise may play out. I I think watching Jose, as much as it's been fun to watch some of the the young hitters like Yohan Mancata and Tim Anderson coming on since August 1st, my goodness, has he done a, a solid job at the plate over the last month and a half of baseball. It's been incredible at times to watch Jose Abreu. Guy, he had a three-streak game where he just could not make it out. A couple of home runs, hits for the cycle, nearly hits for the cycle. Two days later, was just shy by a home. I mean, the whole thing was just pretty spectacular to watch, and that's kind of spawned some some thoughts, I think, uh, about Jose. Avi Garcia, too, riding a, uh, riding a seven-game hit streak at this point. Really keeping things up. Sorry, eight-game hit streak. Had the infield hit last night and a single two. We'll talk a bit about Avi's season. Ed and DJ were talking some about Avi on the broadcast last night, and it got me thinking uh, about the different ways that he's been valuable to the Sox and kind of the different things that he's fought through uh, to mean as much to the White Sox this season as he has. It's It's been kind of a fun season, although the results haven't been, obviously, 
the the kind of results that get you toward a postseason. But I, I think in just about every facet of of the roster and of some of the minor leagues, and we'll kind of wrap up the uh, Canapolis season as well. Uh, they took a bow out to the Greenville Drive. Congratulations to them for making the championship round in the South Atlantic League. Canapolis is done for the year. Great Fall Voyagers, the rookie league, still going. They played uh, Thursday night, or pardon, Friday night, I think. So we'll catch up with them and let you know how they're doing in their quest for a championship as well. Uh, but those are a lot of the things we've got planned, not to mention, and here's the stuff that we've got for you here on the show. I happen to get myself three different Tim Raines starting lineup figurines. These are the ones that were the giveaway about two weeks ago. I have a trio of them, and I I just don't have enough shelf space for all three. So what I'd like to do is give it out to a few White Sox fans who are perhaps big-time Tim Raines fans. I don't know how you... Personally, I don't know how you could be a White Sox fan and not be a big Tim Raines fan. The guy's an HOFer. I mean, the guy's as best as they're as good as they get. So... We'll do that a little bit later on in the show. And the way we're going to give it away is is this. It's, it, we'll give you the phone number, tell you to call in. I'm going to ask you some things about Tim Raines' career, you know, some numbers things, some statistics things, some you know trivia-type stuff. You get the right answer, or at points we're going to give you a threshold of an answer. You know, if you're within five, something like that, we'll give it away to you. Uh, but that's what we're going to do. So if you're driving around or perhaps stepping off for lunch and then getting back into the car and then you're going to give us a ring and, and try and win a Tim Raines starting lineup figurine, maybe I would say maybe check in on Tim Raines' baseball reference page. Maybe get yourself reacquainted with one of the best leadoff hitters in the history of the game. And just from that standpoint, perhaps you've got a better chance of winning the Tim Raines starting lineup figurine. That's not it, though. We've got more stuff. For you this afternoon, we are two times. Can we do it more than twice, guys? Looking at Adam and Tyler. Yeah, I think we can do it more than twice. I think we can more, maybe three times this show, give away a chance to win tickets to our Hot Seat with Han event coming up on the 20th. That is, and I'll explain it a couple more times since we're, we're running out. Uh, it's a sit down with Rick Han. It's you get to come by the WLS stations. I will personally buy you a soda from the WLS vending machine. You get to sit down, hang out, and and uh, I'm going to talk with, with uh, Rick Hunt. We're going to talk about the organization. We're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk about his past in baseball some, too. And I think it's going to be a really cool conversation. I'm very excited for it. That's the 20th at 1 o'clock. So if your calendar is free or if you can make it free, we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets so that you and another significant Sox fan can come by and join us for an hour that afternoon on September 20th. That's coming up in just a couple of days. Sox fans, though, you can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Night on September 22nd. That's presented by Modelo Especial. There will be Latin music and dancing, special activities for kids, an on-field parade and post-game fireworks. Modelo Especial, good guys wear black and drink gold. Tickets start as low as $10 to purchase. Visit whitesox.com. Slash NHH. That's whitesocks.com slash NHH. So let's start here. Let's start about last night. And if you want to get in touch with the show, feel free. Our phone number, 312-591-8900. There are a number of players. There are a number of trends. There are a number of ball games that I think have gotten a couple of people, I think have gotten some White Sox fans kind of jacked about what's been going on here over the last month or so and about how clear it seems 
part of this future of the franchise might be. I want to know what's got you, you know, as 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 pumped up as anything else here, middle of September, as as we wrap up the uh, the 2017 season. I want to know what kind of if there are turnarounds, if there are if there are trends. What's what's got you going the most? I I have my one thing, and I'll give you that probably when we come back from the break here. I have one thing that's maybe more than anything, kind of got me lifting an eyebrow and thinking, okay, this is. You know, given the way things began, this is about as about as good as you could possibly have asked, all things considered. Perhaps that gives it away some, but there is uh, there's a certain ball player who I think with the last month or so has really kind of uh, lifted the eyebrow. You can shoot us a, a note on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle, C1McKnight. Uh, that way, actually, if you if you follow, I tweeted out a picture of... One of the Tim Raines starting lineup figurines that we're going to be giving away at points during the show this afternoon. So if you're if you're curious, if you just want if you want to check the merchandise, you can go there on Twitter, check the photo, and see exactly what it is that you're you can try and win a little bit later on this afternoon. So Carson Fulmer coming up right around three o'clock or so. We'll talk with Nick Shaper of BP Southside Two uh, coming back. I have I have one thing that's more than perhaps anything else over the last six weeks or so got me thinking a little bit differently about the White Sox and about this long-term rebuild, about the commitment to the future that we've all kind of been watching take place over this entire season. I'll, I'll tell you what that is next. I want to know what yours is. 312-591-8900. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Sox Fest 2018 returns January 26th through January 28th at the Hilton Chicago. You'll score an autograph or photo with your favorite players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Plus, you can play games, win prizes, and shop for White Sox gear. It'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. Visit whitesox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and more information. Man, you know, you get down to September, and I, granted, this is only my second September doing this job and hanging out with you on White Sox Weekly on Saturday afternoons, but you get into September and then the White Sox start, you know, sending you the White Sox, uh, the Sox Fest reads, and you start to think, man, I wonder how much different, I, I wonder what kind of players, and, and I mean, it'll be all of them essentially, but, you know, as you go through that weekend and as we get to do as many shows as we get to do from Sox Fest, which is just awesome. I mean, all the shows go down there and we get to talk to all kinds of players, whether it's guys who have you know been in the leagues for a little while or, or some of the rookies coming up. I remember we, boy, who was it last season? We had, we had a good long talk with Jake Petrishka, and, and I think we learned, and granted, you know, this season injury-wise for Jake just had not gone health-wise the, the way he'd hoped for sure. But just learning as much as, as we did then uh, about the workings of a bullpen, I mean, we talked a lot uh, about that kind of stuff. We we talked a lot to Tim Anderson. Actually, that's right. It was Tim Anderson sat down on the David Hochberg show earlier in the morning, and uh, and that was a that was a great conversation. I think Tim learned a lot about mortgages. I think David learned that he would absolutely not compete in any kind of race with Tim. And I think you know before the before the break, we were talking some about you know, what is it over these last couple of weeks that you've seen that really has you that that might have you thinking differently about about this rebuild about where guys are at at this point in the season. 
I, I think for a number of reasons, you know, you, you might want to shoot off and, and pick a couple of guys like Jose Abreu, who now has himself over the last couple of weeks in a conversation for a silver slugger in the American League. I mean, it's Smoke and Hosmer and probably Abreu. You can make arguments. There are probably some valid arguments elsewhere. But as far as I see it, as far as a lot of uh, a lot of evaluations and, and measurements, my look at it, metrics, heck, Jose's played himself right there. He's tracking down toward uh, toward 100 RBI for a fourth straight season. I I know that, and I think over the last couple of weeks, he has been the guy that has impressed me most. And it's not who I thought I'd be paying the most attention to. Most is probably the wrong word, but he's not a guy who I thought I'd be paying as much attention to at this point in the season. And I don't mean that to be any kind of slight whatsoever. I really don't. Because what he's meant to the inner workings of this ball club, especially with some of the changes, some of the trades, some of the uh, the injuries that have happened that have kind of you know moved around the chemistry of that clubhouse some, only from a from a very clear standpoint of this guy isn't here anymore, therefore things do change. Jose has been a, very much a, a steadying force. He, by all by a lot of accounts, and and from a lot of his English speaking team, uh, primarily English speaking teammates too, he has really kind of come up as as much more comfortable speaking in both languages, communicating in both languages with his teammates, and the play. Regardless of language, the play speaks for itself. I mean, over the last handful of weeks, it was for a minute there, I I was thinking "Ah, Jose might not hit the 30 home run thing. The start to the season for him was, it it just didn't have the kind of pop, I, I mean home run power, that you'd kind of expect a guy to need to have if he's going to have a 30 home run campaign. Sure enough, he's turned things around a couple of multi-homer games in his last you know, week or two. Here are the numbers for Jose Abreu since August 1st. So that's this is covering 41 games. Uh, it covers the absolute bludgeoning he gave the San Francisco Giants at Guaranteed Rate Field last weekend. The numbers go like this. 339 average, a 382 on base, and a 648 slugging. OPS just over 1,000, 1. 1.031. For the nerds, for the fellow nerds out there, the BABIP is a 361, which I, I think is you know somewhat interesting for a couple of different matters. And maybe we'll talk more with Nick Schaefer, Nick Schaefer rather, of BP Southside coming up about 335 or so. He His latest is a bit on Jose Abreu. He's got 12 home runs in 41 games. He's got three triples. He has more triples this season than in his entire career prior to this. Nine doubles. Eight walks, three intentional. The strikeouts are up. 32 strikeouts over the 165 at-bats. I guess if there's anything that you might look at Jose Abreu and say, okay, where, you know, at this age, given the position he plays, are are there improvements for this man to make despite the fact that the season line is 308, 360, 558? Can you get better than that? Well, I, I guess you could probably strike out a little bit less. It's it's asking, you know, it's it's not... Not easy, not an easy thing to do. Jose also has one stolen base. And listen, that man can run a lot faster than sometimes he's able or sometimes he shows you. Uh, but he gives you everything. He really does. And I think more than anything else, I've been uh, really impressed over the last 
six weeks or so, since August, with Jose Abreu and his taking it to another notch. There are other players, other facets, other trends that perhaps have you as impressed as anything else. You know, the win-loss record isn't where this team hopes to be in a year, two, three years, that kind of thing. But some of the performances individually have been something else to watch. Set out to the phone lines in Homer Glenn. Are they right? Yeah, Homer Glenn. It's Mike. What's up, Mike? I'm doing good, Kevin. Good, man. What's on your mind? I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jose Abreu and Javi Garcia. Um, two guys who are just having monster years. And it seems like they've they've done things together this year because what I mean by that is they both lost weight. They both trimmed down uh, quite a bit. And if you watch their swings, they both swing through the ball now and keep both hands on the bat through the whole swing. And I don't know who, who uh, gave them that uh, help or suggestion to do that, but to me, that has made the world a difference because they both, last year and the year before, they would both swing and the uh, the hand would come off the bat. And this year, they both keep their hands on the bat through the whole swing, and it's just incredible uh, a difference it's made. Yeah, I, I think with Jose, or rather with Avi specifically, you know, he still swings at a lot of pitches. You know, I mean, that's just what, that's just kind of the guy he is. But I think he's been able to swing at his pitches more often than not. I think he's been fooled a lot less. And I think, too, something that Ed and DJ were talking about a bit on the broadcast last night kind of piqued my interest. Avi Garcia, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but Avi Garcia has 26 infield hits this year. That is not, not at all an insignificant number. The guy busts it just about every time he can. And, you know, I, I understand that, you know, in this day and age, I, I think people making a lot out of, well, this guy gives you 100%, you know, making that argument can get a little bit tiresome to hear. But in this case, when it's an extra 26 hits that you might not otherwise have, when the 26 hits on the infield has you tied for second in all of Major League Baseball, only Jose Altuve has more with 29, that matters some. And if you're chasing down, you know, a batting average title, or if you're trying to add, I mean, hell, the other night, he beats out an infield single and the White Sox pull in a run. Granted, it's not necessarily when they needed a run. It was, uh, but it's, it's something that had to happen in that game. And look at the top two guys in uh, infield hits. Those are the two guys going for a potential batting title. Yeah, no, absolutely. you got to be able to reach in, in every way you can. And, Mike, appreciate the phone call, my man. Thanks for coming in. you got to reach every way you can. And with Avi, too, given the way that, you know, granted, over the last couple of weeks, perhaps it's a little different. The power has popped up some. But generally speaking, he's not as, you know, given the slash line, given the profile, the offensive profile, he's not as powerful a hitter as you might imagine um because he tries to because he does go the opposite way so much now grant he can go the opposite way with a heck of a lot of authority but because that's his general approach that slugging percentage isn't perhaps where it would be for other right fielders other you know elite tier right fielders i'm talking offensively let's not deal with the defense at this point but for Avi, if he's able to keep the middle of the field as an option for himself, he's able to keep that swing there. And Ricky talks about this. Ricky Renteria talks about this quite a bit. Give yourself more options. You give yourself the ability to reach on an infield hit. And Avi is not slow. He's got some wheels to him. He's a tremendously large guy. But somehow he's able to keep that kind of speed 
and and that's really been an asset to him this season. We'll talk a little bit more about Jose, about Avi, and, and a lot about some of the young guys too. Yoan Mancata has really gotten things together since coming off the disabled list with the uh, with the bone bruise in his shin. He has uh, hit for power. He has hit for better average. The walks continue to stay pretty steady. The strikeouts are are there and, and notable, and we'll talk a bit uh, about that a bit later on. But seeing Yoan Mancata become more and more I can't think of a better word for it, but more and more comfortable at the plate has has really kind of started to to let you know what sort of player he's capable of becoming. The profile throughout the minors was evident. You know, you don't become the best prospect in baseball basically via consensus on accident. Um, but he has begun to perform now in a way that lets you know he can handle it at the major league level, perhaps. Uh, one more for you before we let you go, uh, before we hit the break, rather, and then Carson Fulmer on the other side. White Sox fans, join us as the White Sox take on the Kansas City Royals Saturday, September 23rd at 610. First 20,000 fans will receive an Orgullo Sox soccer-style jersey in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month presented by Coca-Cola. To purchase specially priced tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash Orgullo. That's O-R-G-U-L-L-O. We'll be right back. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We're going right up into the pregame show. White Sox and Tigers coming up in just a little bit. Last night's ball game featured Carson Fulmer notching his second consecutive quality start as a member of the White Sox rotation. Carson joins us now on White Sox Weekly. Hi, Carson. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I know you were in your your day after start routine, my man. So I I wonder if you can just so people understand that pitchers are are athletes and tremendous ones at that. What is what's your day after start routine? How much how much have you put yourself through already? I would say that it's the most. Uh... Um, you know, you try to get all your endurance work done on, on day one. Um, you definitely want to get a good lift in. You want to uh, get a good throwing session in, get some running in, and, and make sure uh, you know you do a little power shagging in the outfield as well. So um, busy day, but uh, you know it's a, it's a time where you kind of reflect on last night's work and you, you move on and you get ready for your next start. All right. So as you're as you're running your body into the ground and trying to get your shoulder feeling a little bit better, how what what kind of things did you reflect on about last night's start? What was the top thing in mind that you were kind of running around with in your head? Uh, I felt comfortable. Um, I think that as a pitcher, when, when you feel comfortable up on the mound, um, that's the most important thing, uh, trusting your stuff. Uh, I was able to throw a lot of strikes, um, get ahead with pretty much everything, um, that I have and and uh, was able to have some success. Like I said, uh, every lineup you face in the big leagues, it's going to be uh, um, great. And, you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys with a lot of experience, but um, being able to, to keep things simple and, and make your pitch when you need to uh, was the most important thing for me. What kinds of things, talk with Carson Fulmer here on White Sox Weekly, what kinds of things will you look over on that start when it's time to look over that start on, on video? What kind, of, um, what kind of stats, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, do you like to see from your last one? Or is it mostly video work, or, or is it kind of a combination of the two with Coop? Um, I would say that one of the most important things is first pitch strikes. Um, we tried to uh, uh, 
look at getting ahead of hitters. Uh, when you get ahead of hitters, you have a lot of success, um, especially when you look at the numbers. But um, and being able to execute what you want to do. Um, sometimes as a pitcher, you know, you may want to throw an outside fastball, but sometimes it may leak over the middle of the plate. And um, being able just to stay focused and, and make and execute the pitch you want to make. Um, like I said, my last four or five outings that I've had, uh, I've been able to execute pitches that I've wanted to do. And, and um, you know, I'm really feeling comfortable with throwing anything in any spot. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it, it's uh, it's a process that I'm going to continue to work on and and uh, just making sure that I execute the pitch when I need to. Talked with uh, I talked with Kevin Smith uh, about a week, I think, after you came up and, and threw in the doubleheader. And something that he said he mentioned to you was that your stuff plays up here, that you threw uh, a handful of just filthy, filthy pitches that, that guys can't handle in the big leagues. And I, I just, it seems like, I don't know if it was him saying it or, or a number of people saying it to you or just you saying it to yourself. It seems like that has been said often uh, about your stuff, your arsenal, especially over the last couple of weeks. Does, does, it take a, does it take seeing it happen to have something click? Um, well, first off, I really appreciate him saying that, but, um, I, you know, there's things that you're going to experience, um, in your career and that is ups and downs. Um, I've been up, I've been down. Um, I've had a lot of adversity, but, uh, having a catcher like Smitty or Omar or Brantley, who's up here that I've thrown to a lot, mm-hmm. um, in A. You know, you work with those guys, and you try to work as much as you can and go over as many, you know, materials as possible in order to, to do your homework and, and get ready for the outing that you have. And, um, you know, I've like I said, I've been really lucky to, to be able to go out there and, and trust my stuff and, and execute what I want to execute. And the more times that I do that, the more reps that I have and the more control I have over a game, um, it's going to pay off for my career, and I, and I feel that, um, each time I go out, uh, I feel more comfortable, and I know that you know I can come out here and compete and, and give our team you know the best chance to win. How, how do you think about your pitch mix? Are, do you have, I mean, in your own head, three fastballs? You know, the cutter, the four seamer, and the two seamer. Is it all one that you just change through? I, I wonder how you approach that start to start with with a catcher. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you kind of fill on early on when you're warming up what pitch is going to be working for you. Right. Um, luckily for me, I've, I've been able to throw um, two seamers into righties and away from lefties, uh, locate my four seamer um, pretty much anywhere, especially up in the zone. That's been really effective for me. And uh, my cutter, uh, you know, front door to a righty, uh, away from a righty, uh, into a lefty. You know, really it's just there's so many different – um, combinations that you can use, and, and I think that I've, I've uh, started to grasp that a little bit, and and um, you know uh, continue to, to execute each pitch that I'm, that I'm throwing. So, um, like I said, I, I'm not anywhere close to um, you know stopping. I, I feel like uh, as a baseball player, you're continuing to learn um, pretty much everything you can, and um, you know I'm going to continue to go out there and, and learn as much as I can. We we talked in spring training. I don't know if you remember about pitching up in the zone, and you you kind of like doing that, especially with the stuff you have. It makes some sense. Do you think that that's? Do you like doing that to hitters because you're comfortable doing it, or are you kind of familiar with the high fastball kind of making a return? I mean, there are teams who almost preach it at this point, given what hitters are trying to do and can do to the baseball now. 
it's it's become I don't know in vogue I guess. Yeah, um, pitching down the zone. Uh, obviously, it's preached everywhere, but um, the high fastball it's coming into play a lot more. Um, you know, I'm not a hitter, but if you talk to a lot of them, um, that pitch looks juicy. You know, they they want to <laughs> they want to get a good you know hack at it, and um, they're really susceptible of of, of uh, swinging at it. Um, as a pitcher, if if it's effective and you can use it, um, you can continue to to climb the ladder and also sets up another pitch. It, it changes eye levels and um, you know you can set up a, a breaking ball or a cutter somewhere in. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's a pitch that I'm feeling really comfortable with. Um, I have a good tail up in the zone, so I'm missing a lot of bats, and um, you know I'll definitely continue to use that. What is your? Uh, how do you feel about the routine that you've got heading into a start? Um, guy like Carlos Rodon, who you know is unfortunately done for the season, he went through a couple of different, you know, day of start, you know, getting himself ready to roll. Young guy as he is, young guy as you are, I wonder if that's something that you're you're playing with a little bit and and taking some you know some liberty with and, and experimenting with different things, or if you like to stay set for as long as you can until you're you're kind of forced off and have to change something. Yeah, everybody's different. Um, certain things work for certain people, and um, for me, I, I always like to throw each and every day. Um, even today, I, I long tossed after you know throwing 95 pitches Good last God. night. Um, you know, I I, uh, I like to throw, um, but that works for me. It may not work for anybody else. Yeah. Um, and you know, each day, Coop uh, is always trying to throw a little you know a little something out there for us that you know maybe can click for us and it may work for our routine. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I think a lot of us have a good idea of what um, works for us. Um, it's just a matter of uh, getting to the field early and getting it done. Um, sometimes there's uh, a day or, or, you know, five days where you may do something a little different just to kind of lay back a little bit. But um, for the most part, you know, we, you know, as a as a rotation and as a pitching staff, we come to the field um, prepared and, and um, you know, we want to get our work done um, because we know uh, how important it is. So uh, we have a good idea. I, I have a really good idea of, of what I need to do to get ready for the next start, and um, I feel like it's uh, definitely keeping me healthy for the most part. What kind of sense and, and what kind of conversation do you have with guys? It's such a unique experience that, that you have with Reynaldo, with Lucas, with Aaron Bummer with with guys who were at this AAA level for a while this season and now have all kind of graduated together more or less. You guys get a chance to talk about that, reflect on that some, or or do you not have to? Do you not have time to do that until perhaps the season's over? Um, uh, we we do it every day. Um, you know, we're creating a family, we're creating a, a special culture here um, with a lot of the young guys. We're really familiar uh, with each other and. We hang out each and every day on and off the field. Um, we always try to grab lunch, grab breakfast, uh, whatever we have time for. And once we get to the field, um, it just doesn't stop. Uh, you know, I feel like in order to, to win and have a successful um, team is to, to to get to know each other really well and, and uh, develop that, um, you know, that friendship that is really important to have success. So, um we we enjoy coming to the field. We love spending time with each other, and um, you know we're just looking forward to to what the future holds. Carson, really appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, good work your last handful of starts, and if I'm looking at the schedule right, you'll get uh, you'll get Houston your next time around. So I'm sure you're gonna start watching a little video of Jose Altuve sooner rather than later, huh? No, I appreciate it, Connor. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Carson. Take care. Yes, sir.
It's Carson Fulmer, White Sox starter, man who has uh, pumped up two quality starts here. And and I got to tell you, too, he mentioned right off the bat, I, I asked him in case you just tuned in or, or missed a little bit, I, I asked what kind of things do you look at after your start, whenever you sit down you know, with Coop, with Kurt Hassler, and start talking about the things you did in your last start that you're going to want to carry over into the next one. It's a, a bit of a postmort, probably not the right word, but you know, kind of an appraisal of, of what you did last time out and moving that into the next one. One of the first things he said, if not the first thing, I think, was first pitch strikes. That's something he loves to look at. That's something he needs to have. And I, you know, it makes sense. And at some point, you know, you hate to be, I don't know, pedantic or cliche about these things, but working ahead of hitters is a lot easier than the alternative. I mean, listen, it's all tough up at the big league level, but if you're ahead of a guy, you got a lot better chance to get him out than if you're working behind. I happened to write it down. I looked at it myself before we started, and I, it kind of sounded like Carson hadn't looked over that last start yet. He's got a lot of physical work to do. He'll probably do that tomorrow. That's probably next on the schedule. But in his last start, last night, he was strike one on 15 of 23 hitters. In his start prior to that, 11 of 24 those are pretty good numbers. It, it can get better for sure. And for Carson, and I, I would imagine he knows this as much as anybody else, and he knows he threw 95 pitches last night and went six innings. I would imagine that if you're the competitor that Carson is, if you're at the major league level, you'd rather have those 95 pitches spread out over seven innings. You'd rather be more efficient. and you'd. But that's next down the line. You know, that's, that's kind of the next step for all these young players. And I think what's been... You know, aside, we talked a lot about Jose Abreu to start the show, and we'll talk a little bit more about Pito with uh, Nick Schaefer of BP Southside right after the 3.30 news. But I think what's also very exciting about this to, to me and, and watching this young team grow is seeing guys have the lessons pop up in games. Seeing a guy like Carson Fulmer come back out for that sixth inning last night when the pitch counts high, when you know he kind of hadn't made the best pitches to the last two hitters in the fifth, was able to get out of things, and then comes back and goes one, two, three through the sixth. You know, knows that he's got to you know gather himself together, get it together, and and work through the rest of that lineup. I think back to a start Lucas Giolito had against the Twins. Right, bases are loaded. Ricky Renteria comes out, has that chat, wants to see something from him, lets him know that this is it. This is you. You get out of this inning. This is yours. Next pitch is a fly ball deep to left, missed a grand slam by a foot and a half. That's a that's a come together moment. That's a that's a life flashes before your eyes moment out there on the mound, and Gilito's able to get it together and get the ground ball to short to get out of the inning. It's it's moments like that. Maybe like Yoan Mancata last night gets that change up down and in, and it wasn't a terrible pitch, but that's a pitch that he's missed before, that he's been out in front of before, a changeup like that. Sat back, drilled the thing, sixth home run of the season. I, it's, it's watching little things like that start to turn in those players' favor, start to see those players succeed in those tough situations that really, you know, it, it changes the dynamics some, and it changes the, the long-term evaluation some. And sure, you know, as always, and in, in a lot of these cases, you're dealing with some small sample sizes and you're dealing with little pieces of baseball that are at some point going to have to play out over 162 games. And that can be one of the most 
you know, grueling and challenging things about the game in itself is its length. But seeing it now and seeing it matter and seeing these, you know, these these kids succeed has, and, and even not, you know, having the lessons happen and having them fail and coming around the next time and still making a shot. At, I, I think it's been a lot of fun. I hope hope you have too because that is part and parcel of, of the White Sox future. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. You're going to want to keep that number handy because when we come back from the break, we're going to give away one of three Tim Raines White Sox starting lineup figurines. I've got three of them. Two of them are in the trunk of the car. I'll go down and get them. The other one's in the studio here. We're giving them away. We'll mail them to you. I'll go down to the UPS. I'll ship them out. No big deal. Uh, but if you know any little thing about Tim Raines' career, now's your chance. 312-591-8900. You want to win? You want to get some free stuff? That's your phone number. We'll take a quick break. Line them up. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Here's the fun part on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We get to give away some stuff. We have the White Sox and Tigers coming up at 5.10 this evening, which means our pregame show starts at 4.35, about an hour and 10 minutes from now. 3.35, we will talk to Nick Schaefer of BP Southside. We just got off the horn with Carson Fulmer who uh, threw another quality start for the White Sox last night, two in a row. Nice to see him work. Uh, have a note, too, about White Sox young starters over the last handful of starts. This is from uh, from the White Sox. They've tallied these things. They keep track of the numbers. Lucas Gilito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Carson Fulmer have combined to make eight quality starts over the last nine outings. Gilitos has three in four starts. Lopez has three in three starts. Fulmer, two in two starts. The three of them... Have a two two six ERA over their last fifty five and two thirds innings pitched. That's you know combining everybody, forty six strikeouts, just six home runs in those nine starts, and that has been I I think pretty fun to watch. All right, let's get our contest rolling, shall we? I have three count them three, Tim Raines starting lineup figurines. They were the giveaway out at guaranteed rate a couple of weeks ago. I think two weeks ago, and I managed to. Uh, by hook or by crook, get a hand on three of them. I may or may not have taken one from our program director, Peter Bolger's office. Don't tell him. Uh, but we're going to give away that one first because it just makes me feel good. 312-591-8900. That's the phone number here on the show. You give that a call, and if you know something about Tim Raines' career, I'm going to ask you trivia questions. Wait, I shouldn't be. I'm sorry. We have to begin this contest the way we always begin contests here on White Sox Weekly. Tyler, would you please? Do you love Yomar Sanchez? Yes, si. si. Mucho. Mucho. Nice. I do love Yomar Sanchez. That was Yomar uh, just dropping in on some interview with someone. I think it was Adam Engel. All right, so here are the rules. If you, uh, and I'm, the, the, the thresholds will change. I'm going to ask you things about Tim Raines' career. Numbers, stats, baseball reference page. Get on those, and if you're close for some of them, some of them are going to need the exact answer. Some of them, I'll give you a window. If you win, you will get a Tim Raines starting lineup figurine. If you lose, you are out for this round. However, we've got two more to give away, so you can call back, and when we're done giving away the first one, I'll let you know when we're going to do the second one and the third and so on, and you are more than welcome. 
to call back and try and win again. Not a problem. We like to give you stuff. Season's ending. You need stuff to hold you through the offseason of White Sox baseball. So here we go. We will head out to the phone lines now, 312-591-8900. It is David in Prospect Heights. What's up, David? How you doing, Connor? How big of a Tim Raines fan would you say you were? I would say I've uh, followed him all along. You know, I've uh, kept up with him. He was with Montreal for a long time. And, yep. of course, he was with uh, the Sox for a long time. So, you know, I followed him over the time. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. All right. Here is your. Here is the first question on Tim Raines. All right. Tim was, I think, arguably the second-best leadoff hitter, perhaps, in the modern era. Ricky Henderson probably being number one. That said... Tim's career was at times overlooked because he played contemporarily with Ricky Henderson. So, how many times in Tim Raines' career did he finish in the top 10 of MVP voting? Oh, boy. Oh. Give me another couple of seconds here, David. How about, uh, how about five? Ooh, not five. Good guess. David, thanks so much. Oh, Remember you. Okay, all right. That's a little over the top, fellas. Oh, boy. David made a good crack at it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You can, David. Don't worry. We're going to give away two more. You are still eligible for those rounds. Let's head down the line here. Bobby in Mount Prospect. What's up, Bobby? Connor, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. Same question to you. We'll keep the same board. How many times did Tim Raines... Finish in the top ten of MVP voting. Three times. Three times. There it is. Bobby's a winner. Congratulations. Do you know what rank he finished in those three top five fin- or top ten finishes? Oh my God, Lord! No, not again. I'm sorry. All right, no. that's all right. We'll still give you the starting lineup figurine. Don't worry about it, my man. He finished fifth. Thanks, Absolutely. It. Hang on the line, Bobby. Hang on the line. We're gonna give our give your information to Tyler. Make sure uh, I get it, and then I'll head down to the UPS office to ship it over to you. You're going to get the one from Peter Bolger's office, too. Collectible. Uh, in 1983, 83, Tim Raines finished fifth in the MVP voting. In 1986, he finished sixth in the MVP voting. And in 87, he finished seventh. For our next question, we'll do it probably about 345, I think. Yeah, 345. I've already gone way over the break. Uh, but we'll probably do it about 3.45, so you can call back in then. We have a guest coming up at 3.35. If you are a Kanye West fan, that may help you in our next question. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Evolve. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Conrick Knight. We're heading out to the phone lines again, this time for a guest, however, a first-timer here on the show. Happy to have him. It's Nick Schaefer of BP Southside. He is, uh, I believe, co-EIC. I don't want to give you – did I give you an undue promotion, Nick, or is that exactly how we're operating these days? No, you nailed it. You nailed it. That's absolutely right. How are you, Connor? Excellent. I'm doing well. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Love the stuff. I have said it and said it often – uh, that I think White Sox fans are uh, impossibly spoiled because of the wide swath of folks like you they have out there doing all the research and writing for them. I think BP Southside, uh, Southside Sox, and Future Sox are all, just to name a few, 
really great resources for Sox fans to find out more about their club, and I, I commend you on the job you and your staff does. Well, thanks so much, Connor. That's uh, really too kind of you. I'm really happy to happy to be on here and uh, talk about some of the some of the recent developments of the team. Yeah, and it's not all smoke too. I, I don't give that to everybody. I, I mean it. Um, let me do this real quick. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, White Sox fans, join us as the Sox take on the Kansas City Ro- Oh, No, I did that one already. MLB.tv every night, every device. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live. Plus, get a free subscription to At-Bat Premium. It's the number one app for live baseball. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. So, Nick, your last on BP Southside was a bit about Jose Abreu. And I was mentioning Jose early on in the show and just kind of going through some of the well, the run he's been on over the last like six weeks or so. The power surge has come around. The cycle happened. The cycle almost happened again. Has has he has his performance changed the way his horizon might play out for the White Sox over the next couple of years? To you, I think so. It's really encouraging to see that uh, that he's been able to bounce back like this. You know, in the since his rookie year, it's sort of been a steady trend line downwards, especially in the power department. And there were some rumors that, uh, you know, there's some, some hubbub that he might have been playing through injuries, especially in the first half of last year, as you recall, he really struggled. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing to, you know, fans will often say, well, he's hurt, a player who's struggling is hurt, and maybe that's what's, what's happening. So to see his performance rebound like this, this heavily in his age 30 season, indicates that, yeah, maybe that was what was holding him back. And if this is what he looks like while healthy at age 30, and he's been able to hold on to his hit tool so well. Uh, I think that it bodes for a, a gentler decline as he uh, heads into his mid-30s. Well, well, that's the thing, too, that I think stands out for Jose more than perhaps your, your typically profiled first baseman, offensively profiled first baseman, is that hit tool is, I think, and I've talked with DJ and Ed about this a lot, remarkable in that he's able to keep balls fair that are in his neck. He's able to do stuff with things on the inner third and, and even more extreme than that that not a lot of other hitters can do. And I wonder if that, I wonder if that looks remarkable to you from that position. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the league-wide trends generally and, and certainly first baseman as well, it's not towards contact. I mean, the game is shifting towards getting fewer and fewer looks at starting pitchers, bringing in more relievers earlier, especially, you know, fire-breathing ones that are all sitting 97-plus or yeah. something like that. Um, there's been a real sea change in the league over the last five years. So to see a guy um, aging, you know, what's supposed to be out of the, the typical prime years of a career, um, being able to hold on to such high batting averages is really unusual, I think. And uh, it's been a really fun aspect of Abreu's career because even before he came over from Cuba I don't think anybody really doubted the raw power there was always the question of how much he'd be able to access it against major league velocity and even you know even in his quote-unquote down years the last couple seasons he's still been able to hold an unusually high batting average and he's not you know his team leading triples total aside he's not exactly <laughs> a, a burner either so it's I, I think it's atypical, and, uh, you know, if he's an atypical player in that aspect, then uh, hopefully he can buck other trend, negative trends as well. What do these, you know, we've talked about and we're talking with Nick, Nick Schaefer of BP Southside. What do these atypical things add up to monetarily from your estimation? Obviously, Jose bet on himself. He went into arbitration. Kudos. I, I wish I would ever have a bet and had that much riding on it. He's made a terrific <laughs> one and made it pay off. Does 
Does the horizon – I said that word already. Does does the outlook for Jose from the White Sox perspective, you think, change some? Well, that's hard to say because what's interesting about Abreu and to an extent uh, Avisil Garcia as well in a different way is that, uh, like you said, he opted into the arbitration system. So they can he's going to go year to year. Right. And the arbitration system traditionally favors – the traditional counting stats and, and, you know, the back of a baseball card, the triple crown stats, you know, how many, how often is he playing? How many home runs is he hitting? How many RBIs is he, is he getting? And so from that aspect, he's going to be, uh, be able to command a, a good salary in arbitration. Um, I don't, I haven't looked at the exact number he's coming off of from this year to give you an estimate of how much it might increase. Uh, but frankly, it's still probably not going to be that much more than you'd expect on, on the free agent market. And obviously, you're certainly being able to hedge against risk of something catastrophic happening, you know, God forbid, um, you know, going year to year like that as a player. What, what, the reason I compared him to Garcia is they theoretically have him under team control through the 2019 season. And there may be some tough decisions to make about which players the White Sox want to keep on past that timeline, uh, given how the rest of their competitive window is shaping up. One of the guys, Nick, who, who seems like he will absolutely be here uh, or, or given chances to be here from that year into, I don't know, 2025, something like that, is Yohan Mankata. Uh, we've seen, I think, over the last couple of weeks since his coming off the disabled list, I, I think we've seen the Yohan Mankata that a lot of people, um, but for fair or not, expected to see from day one. What do you see in the, the difference between Yohan Mankata 1 and Yohan Mankata you know, 2.0, so to speak, coming off the disabled list? Well, something that's always, uh, since he came up to, to the majors with the White Sox, I've been thrilled with his, his batting eye, the fact that he's willing to take really close pitches, even strike three, uh, if, if need be, if not the pitch that he wants. So um, his pitch recognition and, uh, and strike zone judgment are really advanced, and those are aspects of a young player's game which are, which are rare. So when you pair that with his athleticism, I really think it was just a matter of time before he started getting, you know, obviously he's feasted on some, some weaker pitching recently, but, yeah. you know, that's only fair given that he struggled against, I don't know, Kluber when he first came up. So there, there's some of that, uh, which is an unsatisfying answer, that it's just, you know, um, quality of opposition and, and some luck. But, I mean, the guy's a premier athlete. He can really run. Uh, even when his batting average was down around, I don't know, 150, his on-base was still right around league average because he was, he was walking so much. It's weird for a guy that fast not to have more singles dropping in. So I really think that's that's what we're seeing is just he was – I think his process was good. Maybe he feels a little more comfortable attacking earlier in counts, swinging a little bit more at a couple first pitches if he sees what he likes. And I think it's really just, uh, you know, that the talent is, is winning out. I think this is what um, I expect. You know, it's easy, it's easy to forget that even – Mike Trout, and I'm not saying Mankata is going to be Trout. Like don't, <laughs> don't don't say that. I'm not I'm not saying that. But even in his first 140 plate appearance or so in the majors, he struggled pretty mightily. So yeah. the the elite guys can still you know struggle out of the gate. Uh, so I think that this is hopefully. Um, you know, just a just a trend of what we're going to see uh, moving forward. You know, I was talking with Don Cooper on the pregame show. I think it was yesterday, and he mentioned kind of that same idea, that same kind of you know, guys can, regardless of pedigree, regardless of draft status, they can struggle out of the gate and take some time to get used to things. Coop loves to point to to Randy Johnson as a guy who took some time to become the Hall of Famer that we saw his years in Arizona and Seattle. 
I, I wonder from the standpoint of, of Carson Fulmer making you know his start last night. He was on the show just a couple of uh, about a half an hour ago. The guy has and he pointed it out in the interview almost immediately. First pitch strikes for him are huge, and I think maybe more for him than anybody else, given the wildness he can have. If he's up 0-1, it's a big difference in being down 1-0. And, and I wonder, over his last two starts, what you've seen from Carson and whether or not you think that the the performance leads to something that can stick. So Fulmer's, Fulmer's tough because uh, you know he's a guy who, I, like you were saying to, to him earlier and you spoke to Kevin Smith, the stuff has always been there. His fastball moves a ton. He yeah. can cut it. He can sink it. Um, he's got a, he's got a good breaking ball. It's, it's really a question of command with him. And and one of the issues is his ball moves so much that, yeah, it's hard to hit, but I think that makes it hard to control as well. I mean, it's harder to to harness something that's moving that much. I mean, even, um, you know, there was a gif going around on on Twitter last night of a a big swing and a miss that he got. And unfortunately he also missed the glove by like a foot. (laughs) So, you know, that speaks to how dynamite his, his stuff is. But, um, you know, it's, it's a really – I don't know that we're going to get enough data this, you know, the next couple of starts that he's going to yeah. get um, to really draw any meaningful conclusions about what he's going to be in the next couple of years. Um, I think, I think uh, the, the first strike emphasis is really important. We've seen, you know, health aside, Rodon uh, succeed along those lines and discuss that, uh, that point of emphasis with Don Cooper. Um, so, you know, the, the stuff is there and it's just a question of command. I know there's, the problem is there's a lot of guys you can say that about. And that was the concern. Uh, I think even going from before Fulmer was drafted was, you know, is he going to be able to repeat his mechanics and, and harness that stuff over the course of, you know, 150, 200 innings, uh, and, and do it with, um, you know, with, to, to get the results that, that you'd hope for. Let's ask you uh, one more here about a, a, another young player, too, and then I'll kind of wrap things up with exactly where you're looking uh, these last couple of weeks and, and how you think the winter might play out for a, for a handful of these young prospects. But Nicky Delmonico has, has burst onto the scene and I think played, at least for me, played a lot better than, than I thought he might have in him. He's taken almost exactly what he was able to do in AAA and put that almost carbon copy into the big leagues, which has been kind of remarkable. You don't see guys do that a lot, especially you know, given his trek through the minor leagues. Uh, I'll ask you the question a lot of people have, have asked me, have asked a lot of people in that dugout um, who cover this team, what is the, the ceiling for Nicky Delmonico? What what kind of a ball player are we dealing with here? I think the, the ceiling is, is really exciting, even, even as he's come back down to earth a little bit since he came off the DL. Just looking at it, he's basically held a, a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, which as a hitter, especially in this day and age, like we were talking about, strikeouts are way up in the last few years. Yeah. That's usually the hallmark of a really great hitter. You know, if you look at Albert Pujols and Edwin Encarnacion, when they were at their best, they were walking more than they were striking out. Um, so if he's able to, to hold that plate discipline, it's probably going to make the slumps more gentle. Uh, the question, I think, is going to be how much, how much power is he going to be able to access long-term? Because... Um, positionally, it's going to be a little tough finding a home for him. If you're comparing him to other first basemen, for example, the, the level to perform to, to be a really a, an asset is really high. Uh, that's not to say he can't do that. And we've seen pretty impressive power spikes around the majors. And his path to the majors was atypical. So, you know, there might be more development there than you might ordinarily expect. So I think the ceiling is quite, is quite high because of those, those tools that he's shown 
Um, and there, there is, you, you're seeing what made him uh, an exciting prospect yeah, even years ago. So the ceiling's high. I think the, the, a lot of the question is going to become, like I said, accessing the power and finding defensive homes for him and seeing how much he can improve on that side of the ball. So as, as we let you go here, Nick, we, we're going to have a lot of questions answered over this offseason. Yeah, heading up to Sox Fest, I think we'll probably still have a couple of questions about you know prospects, uh, about where the guys are going to land, about offseason plans, about you know potential sign-and-trade-type targets like uh, Derek Holland, who was signed this year in the effort of you know trying turning things around. If, if I told you that I could grant you a wish and right now answer just one of the questions that you'd want to know about this offseason coming up, what would it be and why? Oh, geez, that's a tough call. Oh, yeah, I, I totally, absolutely just put you on the spot right then and there. Usually you ask the question and then give the guest like a little bit of bloviating time on your own to like, now you can think about it, Nick, here you go. I'll explain the question again and now you can think about it. And that's what I've, that's what I've done here to help you out some. But I mean, I just, I absolutely blew up your spot. No, all right. So here, here's what I want to know is, like I said, we've got you've seen these rookies coming up a little bit faster than expected, right? Even guys like Michael Kopech getting to Triple A this yeah. year already, which was ahead of schedule. And these really elite talents sometimes can move ahead of schedule, and and that kind of makes sense, right? So one of the things I'd be looking for, everybody talks about the 2018 to 2019 offseason free agency class, but sometimes the free agent market doesn't cooperate with your needs and your schedule, and sometimes you need to get ahead of it. And you know this offseason isn't as loaded. As as next off season, mm-hmm. as the season after that would be, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I'd be very interested to know if they go for, I'd call it a John Lester's type signing, right, where you're quote ahead of schedule, but you see a guy you think is going to help you throughout the window. Yeah, and maybe you jump a little early, and maybe you move your whole timetable up. So, um, given that they've cut so much payroll and they're you know moving to a much more affordable internal model, I'd be wondering if some of that surplus cash might be able to go towards uh, bigger free agents than we've seen historically with the team, and particularly if we might see one earlier than you'd think. That, so that would be something to keep an eye on. That is a pretty good question. I like that one a lot. Uh, what do you got cooking <laughs> on BP Southside, Nick? What's coming up? What can fans look for next? Um, we're hoping to do a lot of prospect coverage. We've got a great prospect team at Baseball Prospectus, uh, you know, people getting eyes directly on on players like Eloy Jimenez and, and so on. So we're hoping to get some podcasts out with some of those, uh, that staff. And, uh, you know, we're really excited to cover this, you know, second off season of the rebuild. Awesome. Nick, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Great to have you on. We'll talk this winter. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Colin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nick Schaefer of BP Southside joining us here on White Sox weekly. And I do mean it. I, I know I've said it a couple of times and it, I, I don't want it to be lost. I, I really do think that Sox fans are pretty lucky in that they've got guys, you know, like Nick, like Colin, which BP Southside and, and Southside Sox, Josh and Jim. And they, that is a that is a really dedicated uh, universe of, of White Sox fans who do a lot of extensive coverage, more than we're even able to do on on two hours of White Sox Weekly. And it's they're a big part. Of of that, you know, knowing about this organization, about the rebuild and whatnot. Uh, when we come back, speaking of knowing about the organization and the rebuild and the whatnot, uh, we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to our sit down, our hot seat with Han. It's a uh, well, I'll explain what it is coming up in just a little bit, but I'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets, and we also have to give away two more, yeah, two more Tim Raines starting lineup figurines plus. 
we've got a bunch of fun facts to get to from the week that was for the White Sox. So, quick break. Stay right here. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got you for, well, up until 435. That's when we'll start the pregame show. Goodness, we only have like a, a 40 minutes left of the show. Okay, so here's what you need to know uh, about a couple of things that we have coming up. We're going to give away two more White Sox uh, Tim Raines starting lineup figurines later on in the show. You're going to hear from Ricky Renteria. But right now, you can uh, get a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Hot Seat with Han event. That's September 20th at 1 p.m. That's coming up next week, September 20th, 1 p.m. All you have to do is text SOX, that's S-O-X, for a chance to win a pair of tickets to 312-591-8900. Text SOX, S-O-X, to that number, 312-591-8900, and you get a chance to win a pair of tickets. It's a sit-down with the general manager of the White Sox. He and I are going to sit down. We're going to talk a lot about the organization, the prospects, the players, his history in baseball. It's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. So text, win those tickets. We'll be right back after the news. WLSA May 90. White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. About a half an hour before the pregame show begins, it'll be the White Sox and Tigers, of course. Sox fans, though, we're giving back to you on Sunday, September 24th for Fan Appreciation Day. The Sox take on the Kansas City Royals. You'll have a chance to win a variety of prizes, such as a suite for opening... Are you kidding me? I should reread these. You can win a suite for opening day 2018. That's awesome. And beggar's pizza for an entire year. More details to come. I'm going to read this again. I got surprised by it. You'll have a chance to win a variety of prizes, such as a suite for opening day 2018 and beggar's pizza for an entire year. More details to come. Visit WhiteSox.com to get your tickets today. That's Sunday, September 24th. Fan Appreciation Day. I'd say that's some fan appreciation. Be pretty awesome. I've been up in some of those suites. They're gorgeous. All right. We are going to fire back up our contest to win a Tim Raines starting lineup figurine we have two more to give away and only 29 minutes left with which to do it so 312-591-8900 if you want one of the tim rains starting lineup figurines you give a call you answer a trivia question about tim rains career if you are right you win the uh, you win the thing you win the starting lineup figurine if you're wrong you can call back and try and win the third one that we'll give away. So that's the phone number. They are open right now, 312-591-8900. We just got done talking with Nick Schaefer of BP Southside. We also had Carson Fulmer on the horn a little earlier this afternoon. And uh, you should know that in case you missed any little bit of White Sox Weekly today or any of our other shows, you can Hit up the podcast, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. It's WLSAM.com slash White Sox. And all of the interviews and all of the good stuff from White Sox Weekly are right there on the podcast. You can download them and listen to them at your leisure. Very easy to do. 
One more giveaway for you too, so that we'll knock this one out of the way. This one's a, you know, we'll keep it. We'll keep it to one for now. The, the Tim Raines giveaway is is on air. It's ready to roll. If you want one, you can win one. Three one two five nine one eight nine zero zero. The uh, lineups: the White Sox and Tigers are out, and I can give you those in full. It'll be Renaldo Lopez today and Miles J, former White Sox farmhand too. Yolmer Sanchez at third, Yoan Mancata at second, Jose Abreu at first. Delmonico is in left. Avi Garcia is in right. Omar Narvaez is behind the plate. Matt Davidson is DHing. Tim Anderson is hitting eight and playing shortstop. And Alan Hansen gets the day in center field. Be nice to have Adam Engel get a day off. I know Ricky Renteria had been looking to get him a day at some point here, though Engel, over his last handful of games, has been hitting really well. And I think, you know, as much as. When we talked to Nick Schaefer a couple of minutes ago, as much as you know, we talked about a guy like Nicky Delmonico and what he might mean for the future, Adam Engel's an interesting guy, too, because I was just looking through. Uh, StatCast has kind of a new stat. It's outs above average, essentially, and it takes the catch percentages of plays in the outfield, uh, how good an outfielder is versus what the average should have been. So how many catches above average are you making, more or less? I think I'm explaining it the best way I can. Engel's right there in the top 10 of Major League Center fielders. And if you've got that guy, that kind of defensive ability and wheels, what if he hits a little bit? What if he's able to stroke it some? That could be a really interesting piece, especially considering um, that the outfield prospects the White Sox have, really with the exception of Luis Robert, who is you know still going to be 20 next season, not quite a center field profile. Set out to the phone lines here, 312-591-8900. We've got a contestant for our Tim Lane, Tim Raines starting lineup figurine. It is Patrick in Park Forest. What's up, Do Patrick? Do you love Yomo Sanchez? Yes, see, see, see. Mucho. See. Mucho. Nice. Patrick, are you ready? Yes, sir. I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that if you are a Kanye West fan, it may help you with this bit of Tim Raines trivia. You in on the Kanye? Uh... No, but that's okay. <laughs> it's just as long as you're in on the Tim Raines, be honest. We're not asking yeah, you to lie. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, so, Tim Raines is fifth all-time in stolen bases. Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock, Billy Hamilton, and Ty Cobb are on top. Okay. How many stolen bases did Tim Raines have in his career? If you can get it within eight on either side, within eight. I'll give you the starting lineup figurine. Okay, I do believe Tim Raines had close to 940 stolen bases. No, came up just a little. No, came up a little shy of 900. Oh, it came up a little over. Came up a little 980. Over? He had 980 stolen bases. Yeah. Oh, it was a good guess. Yeah, you know what though? I'm feeling generous. You're my man. I'm God. feeling. I'm feeling generous. I'm. Uh, I got to be convinced, though. I got to be convinced. Um, Patrick, hey, big White Sox uh, fan. I am a big White Sox fan, but I'm a big Chicago fan. You gonna be able to get to a game here in the next uh, last homestand? I will. All right. All right. All right. Stay on the line. We're gonna give you a Tim Rain starting lineup figurine. How about that? Awesome. All right. You're the best. All right. All right. Fantastic. Thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. Uh, that's Patrick in Park Forest. He just won himself. 
Tim Raines starting lineup figurine. 312-591-8900. That's the phone number. We have one more to give away. We also uh, want to hear from Ricky Renteria. We've got his pregame press conference in and ready to roll. I'm going to do, and I hate doing this, I apologize, but a little producing on the air. Fellas, do we want to get into Ricky now? Should we wait a little bit and get into Ricky a little later on in the show? What are, what's our thought process there? Sorry, the, the tape is new. It's fresh. It's hot. All right, we're going to roll Ricky right now. Uh, I know in this conversation, it's a little bit about Adam Engel getting the day off today uh, and a lot of good stuff uh, about Ronaldo Lopez and some of the rest of the rotation kind of, of growing up and growing into some of the assignments they've gotten of late. Here he is, Ricky Renteria, just this afternoon. Well, I got an angle uh, out of there, right? You said yeah, we were gonna we're gonna try and get him a day. You might see him out for five or six innings, and we'll have to throw back in there again. Tremendously uh, gifted defender for us. We're still working with him. Uh, I'm trying to uh, develop a an approach that will continue to serve him well. Uh, you know, hopefully make some adjustments um, positionally. For a better delivery to the ball, uh, so it's just a work in progress. You know, he's a he's a kid who wants to go out there and do well. And like most players, when they're in the big leagues, it's tough for them to want to make adjustments because you know, they're worried about the outcome. And at some point, you got to go. Okay, you know, we, we we need to make some adjustments. Uh, but ultimately, the player has to buy into what it is you're trying to do. And um, so we're hopeful that uh, the next couple of weeks he'll continue to uh, you know do what he needs to do to himself closer to where he wants to be. It was kind of a stance or a swing path thing? It, 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 it could be. I think, you know, actually today we just we mentioned that if, uh, where he's at, just to be able to maneuver the barrel a little bit more, just go ahead and choke up a little bit on the barrel, I mean on the bat, you know, and see if that helps you uh, be able to knit the barrel to the to the baseball a little bit better. Try to cut that line and strike out. He's a young man who if he puts the bat on the ball, uh, whether it's in the gap or on the ground, he's got a chance to do something, you know, get on or you know, even extra base hits. He's got strength, he's got power, so um, he's still a work in progress. The guy who plays defense like that, if he hits 240 or 250s. And, you know, I, I, w- I would think that that's a, a pretty decent, uh, for an individual who's probably going to save you two or three runs a night sometimes based on some of the catches that he makes. Yeah. Um, it would serve us all well. Uh, but I think, again, players always, as all of us know, you have to be committed to whatever uh, adjustments that need to be made. And ultimately, uh, it's a comment about us to make sure we have enough conversations where they start to feel comfortable in trusting what it is they need to do. Do you play tomorrow? Oh, yeah. When you look at what Ronaldo Lopez has showed you over the yeah. last month, what's uh, impressed you the most? I think uh, besides his stuff, probably just his demeanor and his calmness on the, on the mound. Uh, he's worked through so many uh, of traffic in certain situations where maybe we didn't help him, and he's able to kind of take control of the situation and still work attacking the strike zone, going after hitters, uh, understanding what he wants to do with a particular hitter at, at, at a moment. Um, you know, I, I do think he shows a, a tremendous uh, sense of maturity. He's a he's kind of a fiery guy, even though he's really quiet. You guys see him on the mound; he's just quiet. He comes in. He's, Internally, he's got, he's got some drive, so hopefully his ability to continue to command the zone um, and, and pitch um, will, will serve us well. Clubhouse is, you guys seem to have fun and kind of enjoy each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 29 or 30 games under 500, you wouldn't really know it from you know, the way you guys care of themselves. What do you think that says? I, I think it just... Uh, 
points to the fact that they're they're more consumed about what's going to happen today. Uh, I do think that um, as you're coming together as a team uh, and they're continuing to learn how to trust each other and, and learn how to play the game uh, in a particular way that uh, you got to kind of accept the good and the bad. Uh, I, I know that we talk about uh, a simple thing is music. You know, people want to know why music's still going on even sometimes after loss, especially on the buses or on the planes. And sometimes you need music more in losses than you do in victories. You know, you want to come back uh, to what you need to be uh, your focus on, which is uh, preparing for the next game. I think the guys respect. They really need to respect uh, the moments uh, when you lose a ball game. I'm not saying that you come in and the, and the music playing when you take a loss. No, they reflect on what's happened on that particular day. Um, and maybe they may not have music playing uh, at the end uh, until later on in that evening. But uh, they're totally respecting everything that's gone on in that particular moment. But I, I, I do like uh, once we've left the field for guys to go back to uh, normalcy and um, you know getting ready for the next day. With uh, Covey going tomorrow, yeah. um, what did you see out of his last start? It was his first start in a while. Yeah. He gave up some runs, but only had two hits. Yeah, he, he, he gave up runs early. It was the first inning. He gave up uh, four runs, I think it was. And actually, uh, he did a really nice job of, of settling down and taking control of the game from that point on. It could have been very easily a situation where a starter gives up runs early. Uh, the opposing club continues to chip away and gives up more runs, and then you're going into your bullpen. I think he gave up the four runs in the first, came back out, started attacking the strike zone, kept working, and I think he worked through six innings, approximately, and ate up some innings and contained and minimized damage. So he was able to keep us out of our own bullpen, uh, still keep us in the game, and give us an opportunity to, to you know, see if we could strike back. There's only a couple of weeks left, but with uh, Julie, where, where the innings are for Julie yeah. and uh, Lopez, I think it's a, a good question. I, I still have to talk to Coop about that right now. Um, you know, both of them have been up before in the big leagues. Uh, in terms of, I think we're comfortable right now where, where uh, they're at uh, at this particular time with their innings. Uh, I don't expect that uh, we would shut them down, but uh, don't don't quote me on that. I think in once I sit down with Coop one more time and, and see where we're at in terms of where we believe they might project out for any juices this year, uh, we'll determine what we need to do. That is White Sox manager Ricky Renteria. Yeah, it's an interesting part of having all these young arms in the rotation at the same time. Is You don't want to overtax guys, especially in a September that is what it is for the White Sox. So we'll just have to wait and see there. Interesting that Adam Engels got himself an off day. Interesting conversation about how many changes he's made this season to the stance, to the approach. Uh, not necessarily to the approach, but just how he's trying to handle the stick. It's it's kind of been an interesting thing to watch, and when he is successful, can, can cover a fastball, that's for sure. And he's pretty fast as well. Uh, when we come back, try giving away one more Tim Raines starting lineup figurine, 312-591-8900. That's the phone number for that. Also keep you updated on where Great Falls and Kannapolis ended their seasons. So WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Just about 15 minutes before we start the pregame show, Sox and Tigers coming up in just a few. A uh, little bit of business to finish up before we get out of here. We had three Tim Raines starting lineup figurines to send out to White Sox fans who knew just a little bit of trivia about Tim Raines' career. 
Uh, one on the line to try and join in. It's Kenny in Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa, Canada, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Ottawa, Illinois here, Kenny. How are we doing? Ottawa, Illinois. All right, it's a little closer. Good. That's going to save me some on the shipping. I don't mind at all. All right, big Tim Raines fan, I assume. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very good. Very good. This one might be our easiest question yet. Tim Raines played for a handful of teams in his career. The Expos, the White Sox, the Yankees, the A's, the Orioles, briefly. A lot of people forget that one. And then the Florida Marlins in 2002. For how many seasons did Tim Raines ply his trade for the Chicago White Sox? Six. Minus one. (laughs) Five. Five it is. Kenny, you called like six times, so I figure you got to be a winner. Kenny, appreciate it, man. Hang on the line. Give your information to our producer, Tyler Bravo, and we will ship you one Tim Raines starting lineup figurine. I feel good about this. I'm glad. We'd been meaning to give some stuff away for a while now. It had been so long since our last giveaway that, uh, I don't know, we're feeling magnanimous. And Plus, we had the stuff that I rooked from Peter Bolger's office just to... Tim Tim Raines lineup figurines that we just took out of there. So a couple of notes here before we get out of here. Just a handful of minutes left. Uh, A number of White Sox are on heaters. A couple of hitting streaks. Yohan Mankata on a seven-game hit streak. Avi Garcia on an eight-game hit streak. He had two hits last night. One of them, as we talked about earlier in the show, the infield hit variety. Tim Anderson on a seven-game hit streak. And Kevin Smith is on a career-high 10 game hitting streak so that's been a lot of fun to watch um today behind the plate it'll be omar narvaez not kevin smith though ricky renteria in close games and he's actually done this a couple of times just in the last week or so hasn't been shy at all about using both catchers he'll pinch hit omar for kevin when the platoon matchup suits it perhaps late in the game he'll pinch hit kevin for omar late in the game when the platoon advantage benefits it so it's been, and I personally like uh, American League, especially now, you know, you've got the third catcher and Rob Brantley too, but I, I think he's even done this a couple of times in the season, you know, before rosters expanded. I, I like to see managers use the bats they have available to them. You know, in today's baseball, you've got so few bench players as it is that bullpen is as big as they are now. It kind of limits your sticks that you're able to go to off the bench and I think, you know, especially in the American League, when you've got a DH, you don't see it as much anymore, you know, just with pinch hits as is. So if, if one of your bats is going to be that catcher, a catcher, you, you very much like to have a lefty-righty balance, or at the very least, if you've got two guys who hit the same, somebody who can handle that same side pitcher just even a little bit better than average, uh, that's always a good thing to have. Um, and, and I like to see, you know, putting guys in a position where they can, you know, have that platoon advantage, uh, that little bit of matchup edge. Uh, two things before we let you go here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, congratulations to the Kannapolis Intimidators. They lost to the Greenville Drive in the South Atlantic League Championship. Nice season overall. The Kannapolis Intimidators, of course, if you're not all up to date on the White Sox minor league system, they're the low A team. They had guys like Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets, the first and second overall picks. Evan Skog, who was the third pick in the draft for the White Sox, uh, ended up there as well. Might have been fourth, actually. Now memory fades. Uh, Blake Rutherford is on that club. He was one of the big prospects, probably the biggest prospect coming back in the Yankees deal, kind of a top 30 guy. Those are the types of players that are there 
on that Canapolis Intimidators team. The Great Falls Rookie League team has lost their first game to Ogden. That was Thursday night, 7-4 to four the final. They'll play game two tonight at 7 o'clock. They need to win and survive. It is a three-game series against Ogden for the Rookie League Championship there for Great Falls. So, big game tonight, and we will uh, probably update you as that game's in progress, I would think, on the post-game show a little later this evening. But that does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Glad we were able to give away as much stuff as we were. Pre-game show is going to start in about 10 minutes or so. Big thank you to Adam Stadzinski and Tyler Bravo and Jonathan Bregman, too, for helping us out and producing the show this afternoon. Thanks to our guests, Carson Fulmer, who works for the White Sox, and Nick Schaefer, who writes at bpsouthside.com. Read his stuff there. We'll be back next Saturday for another White Sox Weekly. Only, man, we're running out of White Sox Weeklies in the regular season. We'll do a big wrap-up at the end of the year. I think that's October 7th. Really wrap things up, blow it out with a bunch of guests. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks so much for listening. Pre-game show's next. Don't go anywhere. It's WLS AM 890.